0: Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the Back and Forth Podcast. And, you now, and myself, rate Paul that Nadib, album, and my wonderful friend Joe Fremen. Joe Fremen. Joe, how are you doing with today, Uh, and Joe Fremen. You
1: know, it was going pretty good after you my guys, first orgasm
0: of the day. Paul. No stuff. Is it like a fire drill, buddy? <laughs> sure is, Paul. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be doing uh, the Dresden Dolls' second album. uh... Yes, Virginia. But before we get to that, Joe, uh, there's a couple of uh, housekeeping things I wanted to get into. Uh, First of all, I really, Joe, we found an audience. (laughs) We did? In the last 30 days through SoundCloud, we've had 456 plays. Oh, God. So, thank you. I hope it's not hate listening, you know. We've had 209 in Boardman. Now, I'm not sure if that's Boardman, uh, Oregon or Boardman, Ohio. So those of you that are listening in Boardman, please let us know. I'm assuming it's Ohio, because we've also had 103 listens in the last 30 days in Columbus as well, which is in Ohio. On Ohio, So I think we have an audience in Ohio.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Ohio. I don't think I've ever been to Ohio. <laughs> I might have driven through it. I don't, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I have a story. It wasn't, it wasn't me going to various cities in Ohio and from different IP addresses listening to.
0: <laughs> and that could be it too. Could be people are using the word VPN or Surfshark. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do have an Ohio story, actually. I went to Ohio uh, when I was 15 years old in Columbus, uh, not Columbus, I was just Cleveland, Ohio. And it was the first time in my life I had a gun pulled on me uh so that was fun and i stayed first in. time like how many times have you had a gun pulled on you because uh,
1: three you know you know how many times i've had a gun pulled on me
2: <laughs> <None>. zero <laughs> yeah
1: i think three. never happened to me I but yet all you're over there people just pulling guns on you
0: left and right yeah, i'm pretty sure three pretty sure i three uh if i remember correctly it's three um yeah no that yeah so yeah i was 15 years old first time i had a gun pulled on me um I will tell that story maybe another time. Uh, it is a little sensitive, but uh, needless to say, I was not the culprit of why the gun was pulled on me. I was with a group of people. Someone said the wrong thing to the wrong person, and whoop, guns came out, and it wasn't, uh, wasn't good. Um, <clears throat> so you know I find that hard to
1: believe since it happened two more times after that. The other time, it was absolutely
0: you, Paul. No, no, I'm going to tell you, I I know know what they say, when
1: everybody else is the asshole,
0: Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I opposed earlier. That was brilliant. Um, Yeah, I'm actually going to say no, I was not the the culprit. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but you also have to remember I worked a corner store gas station in the hood. So there was that. Um, So. Because of this, and I said many, many, many podcasts ago, back when we were doing podcasts above a convenience store, that if we got to 50 subscribers on YouTube, I would do a cover of uh, just you and, and, and me, uh, uh, the Twin Peaks song that James does. Well, in looking at what we have with SoundCloud, what we have on Spotify and everything else, and YouTube... Like, we're way over that at this point, which is phenomenal. So I think I owe it to our audience. So in the next month, I will have that done, and I will add tack that song on to the beginning of one of our podcasts.
1: I just make it a standalone So You think I should make it a standalone? Yeah, let's do a standalone, put it on. That way, you know, if people already heard the podcast or they just want to get to the podcast without ah. hearing that god-awful, lousy song, Paul. <laughs> Like
0: I, let's just let's put it separately. All right, it separately. fair enough, Joe. I think that's a good call. I will put you know, that If you have heard
1: the song, you you know that you know damn well. Like I won't re-listen to that podcast because I'm not going to sit there that fucking song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is fair. I think that's a smart call. So I will do that. Uh, another housekeeping note: uh, last album we did, uh, which was the Porridge Radio. I want to say I apologize because going back and listening to it when I was editing it, we were a song off, and that was because of the fact that the first song had nothing to it. It was just that minute. So -hmm. when we were talking about songs, we were actually off a song. I noticed that. So if that was confusion to any of our listeners, that's why. So just bump it up a track, and that's where you are. Also, you asked me to do a count. (laughs) Oh, that amazing songwriting Paul! Yes.
1: Uh, the telephone
0: pole, songwriting So yeah. I did a couple of things here The word I, as just standing alone I Was used 227 times on that album
1: 227 you, times, how long was that album?
0: Uh, that album was Maybe like
1: 40, 40 50 40 minutes, minutes long?
0: I can actually get the album uh, The uh, album time at, Put that up Uh, as far as what that was, 43 minutes and 56 seconds. The word word I was used 227 times. If you include I'm 266. The The next one was this word you, which was another one we brought up, which was brought up 163 times. The word me was 145 times And just to give you guys context, I also used to did a search on the word my or did a count on the word my. And that was only 65 times. So, Uh,
1: yeah, I'm glad they got the coveted Paul Adib stamp of approval on that album.
0: They you know what they did. And I know you and I talked a little bit before the podcast here. I stand by. My thing, I do think there's things they did right. There was definitely a lot of things they did wrong. I'm not excusing that or, or not saying that. But there were some things that were done right that I still feel warranted. Do I think it belongs on the top 44 or 45 albums of 2022? No, I do not. That I don't stand by. But I do give a recommendation, absolutely, to check it out. And going with that, Joe, now we can get into the Dresden Dolls.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, like, when you said uh, this band, like, Amanda Palmer sounded a lot like that chucklehead from Porridge Radio. I'm still, I'm not seeing it, Paul. I just, oh. it's, like, su- superficial at best, that comparison. Fair like, enough. Surface level, very surface level. Like, just, yeah, I I I really didn't see much beyond just maybe more of a body kind of low whatever kind of vocal but that was it like this was like uh the songwriting was head <laughs> you know just uh miles beyond
0: and better than porridge <laughs> I yes yes it's a, like i said to me that's why okay so you got to understand with amanda palmer and why i thought it was her she is very much an artist Right, I mean, she's. Uh, well, she has to tell us all the time on her social media, Paul. Oh, yeah.
1: She's one of those people that just tells you she's an artist. You know, it's much like when I walk around and tell everybody I'm a journalist, unprompted.
0: <laughs> Kinda. No, she. There are some things. I, I'm glad you looked into her a little bit, or know. I know, her but sister. like
1: after you brought it up, I remember because uh, I knew like I didn't know a whole lot about that. You know, the Kickstarter thing, but I do know. A little bit of her social media presence, and I, and, and I, why I had to stop following her during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, a lot of it is how much of an artist she self-proclaims to be. Yes, there's a lot of. I mean, let's let's be fair. There's a pretentiousness there, and I think it's very much in front. Like, there's no question about that. There's a pretentiousness there. Um, we'll get into kind of the Dresden Dolls a little bit, but getting back to what you were saying, that's. Why I thought it could possibly be her. So I thought it was almost like a. Because again, I didn't know anything about Porch Radio. So I thought, okay, this is like one of her artist takes. And yes, her vocal work meaning. It was Amanda her Tony Paula, Clifton. God, that's what I. You <laughs> nailed it. Like, just terrible. Like, it wasn't terrible, but I thought. There, it's in the it's in the it Amanda bad, Palmer range Tony clifton <laughs> i mean it's in the i mean it was in the amanda palmer range but she wasn't hitting some of the highs that she can get to so that's why i thought maybe this was some kind of theatrical thing or some kind of art artistic thing that she was doing and no it wasn't so i was really wrong on that but that's where my comparisons came in cuz i was like god this really sounds like something amanda palmer would would do Uh, so that's kind of, I, 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 you know, I, I, I I could see it. That's why I brought it up, but yes, you're right. When you listen to the Dresden dolls, the vocal range of Amanda Palmer is far exceeds. Yeah. I was,
1: I was just kind of very confused when you, like you said that, then I listened to this. I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe. Maybe Paul has shit in his ears or something, because I'm not hearing this. <laughs> well, you, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, so. what you do in your private time, Paul, is none of my business. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you for, for giving me that. Um, Joe, before we did this review, what was your knowledge or experience with the Dresden Dolls? I had never listened
1: to them. Uh, okay. I knew Amanda Palmer. Uh, my buddy was like kind of into her in like, the late 2000s. I think she did, like, an EP of Radiohead covers or something like that. Yes, she did. Yep. Yeah, so he played that, and I was just like, that was where I began and ended with Amanda Palmer. Uh, and then I started kind of following her on social media because she was kind of doing, like, some cool art shit. And then the pandemic happened, and uh, I got really turned off by her. <laughs> uh, a lot of it is because uh, she was dragging her, social, her personal life in comically weird areas, uh, mm-hmm. she made this announcement that Neil Gaiman left her, and like she had this all these posts. And then, like, he found his plane finally lands, and he tweets, like, Wait, what the hell's going on? <laughs> That's phenomenal, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then it was just like, Oh, it was just a misunderstanding, it's like shit like that. Like, I've no people like this. Mm-hmm. Like, a, you know, I don't know Amanda Palmer, but I know, like, the personality. Yes. It's, it's, and I've known it's people thing. like that. And it's one of the things where it's hard for me to divorce from that because I have such bad memories of people like this. Like, who'll sure. just, who thrive on drama, Paul. She's one of those people who thrives on drama. She, like, gets into it on the comments on her Facebook shit and stuff like that. man. Mm-hmm. big turnoff for me, so.
0: And I think when we get into the album and the lyrics of it, you can tell. She's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some things there. But, yes. The like, album- you know, like
1: uh, the line we'll get to, it, like, leaving the leaving the box of condoms out to bake somebody jealous of the yeah. guys. Fuck before. I'm like, yeah, I think that's something you would have done, Amanda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. And for that Radiohead album, for those that are interested, it was called Amanda Palmer Performs the Popular Hits – radio head on our magical ukulele. Uh, so, yeah. Smug. That smugness. That's and now, when we get back to my uh,
1: my real grip, like the chip on my shoulder when it comes to musicians and artists, Paul, is when the smugness gets too high. And there's definitely smugness on this. So let's talk well, a little Yeah, we'll get into it, but it, it's not as much as her kind of persona outside of this. Right. We'll to
0: it. So... The Dresden Dolls, the the, Brian uh, Vigilone, and I had made the mistake last week of yes, Neil is her husband, not the member. Yeah, I corrected you at the end of that. And thank you for that. I waited till the very end. (laughs) Yeah, great. Thanks for waiting till the end, Joe, to make me look like an asshole (laughs) for half the podcast.
1: Hey, Uh, you're on a roll, man. I didn't want to interrupt.
0: uh, Fair enough. You know, I always come back and have to do corrections, anyways, because my mouth spits out more than my brain. Uh, gives time to process. So they formed. So she had seen Brian perform solo at a Halloween party, and she was like, "I got to do music with this guy." And they started doing live cult shows, and <laughs> to the point where they were dramatic makeup, and they were very much this cabaret, and that's the style of this music. I think it's dark cabaret <laughs> is the genre that it falls under. And they would encourage fans early on to get involved, like do performance art during the show, like come stilts. We want statues, fire breathers. And it became this whole performance art thing. And the band was originally called Out of Arms. And they changed it in the Dresden doll. Now, according to Palmer, and we know this, like, you know, history is always subjective. There's always one side, the other side, and the truth. But according to Palmer, uh, it was inspired by a combination of things, the firebombing in Dresden, Germany.
1: So it goes, Paul.
0: Uh, so it goes. Uh, there was a song, the same name, by the band The Fall. They did a song called Dresden Dolls. In Flowers of the Attic, that book, uh, the, the lead uh, character, uh, the boy, was the, and the girl were the Dresden Dolls. Uh, so she liked the parallel between Dresden, and again, the firebombing, the destruction, and Dolls being an innocent object. So it was like this juxtaposition, as it were, of things that she... So, in 2005, they were the Dresden Dolls, and they were opening, not for Nine Inch Nails. Could you imagine, Joe, you and I are big Nine Inch Nails fans. Could you see this band opening for Nine Inch Nails and it meshing?
1: Uh, I've seen stranger bands open for Nine Inch Nails. I saw right. Boris open for Nine Inch Nails. That's what got me into them. They're like a Japanese uh, drone metal. Cool. Yeah. We'll do Boris at some point. But yeah, d- d- Reznor picks like pretty interesting people to open for him. So I would not have been too surprised, especially with the stage theatrics kind of thing and the <clears throat> the makeup. I mean, it's not too far from like the Marilyn Manson kind of, you know, cake makeup and uh, yep. Uh, grotesque-ish live performances.
0: So, yeah, no, I can see that. So, so, by 2008, Dresden Dolls were done. They put out three albums. The Dresden Dolls, which is what got me into them, uh, the song Coin Operated Boy was a big hit on indie um, at the time, on college radio. Uh, there was a Cities um, 97 a at the time, before it became this pop thing, was playing kind of indie songs. Um, before it fell into the clear, they called Clear Channel. Or um, got bought by Clear Channel and became of the radio. Then they did this album, Yes Virginia, and then they did No Virginia, which was a compilation of songs that they wanted to do. But here's what happened: So Coin Operated Boy was actually a big hit for them, and their label was Roadrunner label was all in on it, and then. They did this one, Yes, Virginia. There really wasn't a strong single, according to label, on this album. And the fact that the sales for it, for their first album, didn't have a single, didn't peak on any charts, sold dramatically more than their second album. And so very quickly, Roadrunner, hold the plug and was like we are not supporting this album you guys need to do another one and Amanda especially Amanda was like fuck you guys and so they quickly put together a compilation to just do their three album contract and they broke up and Amanda went on to do her own thing Brian went on to do his own thing they recently during the pandemic got back together and they Well, in 2019, they started touring, working on an album. Then the pandemic happened. They're still working on it. And they're going to do a world tour here in the next year or two and release that what would be considered their third true album. So that's what's going on there with them. And we can get in the room. Like, again, you and I have talked about doing a podcast about um, labels at another time. And to kind of give you guys an idea There's been a lot of bands on Roadrunner, and Roadrunner is kind of notorious. I shouldn't say kind of; is notorious for take or swim uh, with their with their artists. Like either you make it or you don't. And if you do, we support. Don't you're gone. Um, So we can get that, as it were. There's not a lot of bands currently signed with them anymore. They're not the prominent uh, band uh, label that they once. Thoughts on that, Joe? Anything you want to add, take away? Not really, no. Okay, so let's jump into it. Uh, this is...
1: Albums that are front-loaded with, like, good songs. Uh, this one's back-loaded in that, for me, the most interesting songs come at the end of the album. Yes. But Sex Changes is a good uh, uh, opening track. Uh, yeah, I probably... No, you could probably make it today. Like. I hate when people say you can't do shit these days or whatever, because you obviously can. Like, fuck. You know, like... This song could be made today, just people would react. People would react? As, as they do, you know.
0: I, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're pleased to inform you that your application's been accept, accepted starting from this time you get this letter. Hope you'll be... Uh, your life will be one of never-ending. Hope you're feeling better. You get your choice of anesthetic. We need to chop your cock off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To
1: it, me, this song feels like it could have been in like Rocky horror picture show. You know what I mean? Like just like the themes and all that, and just kind of like this grotesque. And it's like for me, what works on this album was is when it is burlesque ish. Yes. Yes. And when it fails is when they stray from that. Yep. And uh, and that was another thing is like I wish this album was a little more produced with a little more instrumentation
0: there is it's a very bare bones isn't it and,
1: and yeah when it, when i think of uh cabaret and stuff i think like you know kind of a production going on like a show uh a ragtime jet like little little flourishes i think would help this sound sonically a lot
0: better i would agree with that i i still enjoy it but i think you had the same thoughts i did there was a couple times listening i be like ooh, if you threw in like a violin there
1: yeah, our covered here. Hearts exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, another, lar- another line that I think is really great. Is, of course I love you, and of course it's what's inside that matters. But I think the whole charade is ending. <laughs> yeah. you know what they say. Everything that comes before the word
1: bud is completely horse
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, sir. Yeah, there's some really interesting, and I think, given the fact that Amanda Palmer is only four years older than us, uh and this was recorded when two thousand and eight, I believe two thousand six. So yeah, uh I think you know, like there's some shit going on. Yeah, it was recorded in two thousand six, or at least in two thousand six or so recorded two thousand five. So I mean, for her to be what, 25, 26 writing lyrics like this, there definitely isn't oh, she'd be happening. in her late twenties. Yeah, late okay, twenty seven. Yeah, I guess you're right, twenty-seven.
1: She'd be like 29 in 2005. 2006. Yeah, she'd be 29. She's 40 years older than me.
0: Yeah, there you go. Fuck it. See, I, I try to think I'm younger than... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, she'd been in her late 20s at that point. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's... There is... I th- comparing this again to what we had last week there is a world of talent when it comes to songwriting yeah and it's it's a lot better it's, it's <laughs> and it's painting the story right like you and i talked about we like story we like to. there was definite imagery in my head coming when i listened to this song and yep. you know so i that's a there's a I, that's a testament to it where lyrically and vocally even though sonically and musically it's I don't want to say bare bones, but bare bones is, I think the. Yeah. Ill. This song
2: sounds
1: like it'd be on a stage, uh, musical, like mm-hmm. in the vein of like Rocky horror, or Hedwig and the angry inch, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great call on that. Absolutely agree with you. So n- next we have is a uh, backstabber, Joe.
1: Yeah. This is, uh, this is one of those ones that like, uh, went off the rails for me. Uh, I got real big, uh, pop-punk Blink-182 vibes on this one.
2: And I had...
1: Melody-wise, melody-wise, it was just so... The stink of the late 90s, early 2000s pop-punk melodies.
0: And we'll get to it, because there's a very uh, egregious one coming up. There is. For me now, and I want to separate this, right? Because we're going to have things... It's funny. We talked about it. We talked about how... You didn't, you didn't feel that this was, that the last album could be Amanda Palmer, but at the same time, there's some grievances or some things that are going to be some similar treads we're going to be path, uh, treading, which is things that sound like other things. And for me, this sounded like a Ben Folds 5 song, or a Ben Folds song. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> this has Ben Folds written all over it, just the way the keys are going, the notes, the way it goes, like... Ben Folds could have wrote wrote the song to where a point, again, this is conspiracy theory and conjecture, rumor and innuendo. I have nothing to go with it. The song Backstabber, the fact that it feels very much like a song right out of Ben Folds' playbook, I wonder if it was a jab at him. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I wonder if that was kind of the, the thing there. Kind of like when Tori Amos very subtly called out Trent Reznor for their affair. Uh, on one yeah. of her albums. I an kinda, album he played on. <laughs> an album he played on, which is genius. <laughs> so I kind of got that vibe. Like, I'm kind of like, I wonder if that's what's going on here. Like, if only those in the know or those that are paying attention, like uh, like a wrestling mark, would kind of catch that. But yeah, this just opening chords and the piano, everything, the the chord structure itself just reeks yeah. of something Ben Folds with it.
1: But it also goes away from the cabaret stuff for me. And that's, again, like, when they do, like, the cabaret stuff, like, I'd rather, I wish they kind of would have stuck to a a theme
0: instead of kind of, like, straying. Especially in your second album. (laughs) Like, Like stick with your genre? Yeah. Well,
1: like, you can go out of it, but, I mean, like, you're presenting yourself as something, and then I get this, which is, again, it's like, you know, it sounds like, Parts of it sounds like it's off Dude Ranch by Blink One Eighty Two, you know. Like I'm try- I, you know, it's like it's stuff like that. As it gets a little jarring for me, but you know,
2: yeah,
0: you know, I, for
1: so me, like it, this, on this album, when it shines, it shines, and when it doesn't, it really,
0: it really doesn't. <laughs> and see, for me, I thought it was um like Fear of Pop from Ben Folds could be on that album. Uh so that 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 was my thought on it. But you know, again, lyrics. Th- There is some repeating again. She says backstabber over and over again. Um, It's really interesting. Like, rotten like a crack whore, backing out the back door. Show us what you're good for. Post it to the noise board. Come on, join the blood sport. Show us some support. Working at the drugstore, it's because you're a fucking backstabber. And again, there's things in there where I'm like, there's end-faults kind of things. And I'm going, Like, yeah, I just feel like this is like, Ben Folds pissed her off. Like, that's, I'm convinced.
1: <laughs> I'm just convinced she's inventing drama in her head and projecting it onto some poor son of a bitch who has to deal
0: with it. Then. Uh, next one is a uh, Modern Moonlight, Joe. What was your take on Modern Moonlight?
1: I like this because it kind of went back to the cabaret stuff. Uh, some of the lyrics had, didn't work for me. Uh, you know, the Coke and Pepsi of. Whatever. By the
0: fun of compromise. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like. Yeah,
0: all right,
1: here we go. But you know, I do like the like when it goes back into the kind of the cabaret and jazzy kind of stuff. I that's where it shines for me.
0: But like, I was I wasn't a fan of this one either. Yeah, you know, this one it, again. It's it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I like the beginning of it, like the like the build up for it. But then it doesn't really go anywhere per se. Yeah, was,
1: and then like the vocals again. Like if this would have been a little produced a little slicker, I think. Yeah. Uh It was, like, you know, like, the, oh, you know, like, yep. just uh, yep. a little more effort in that stuff. Like, I think yeah. they could have, like, with these songs, they could have created, like, a sonic kind of, uh, you know, circus environment, audially, but it just, it, they stuck with bare bones, and so, like, a song like this just really suffers from it.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah, this definitely has like I, I love the fact that you brought up like like a circus for it because this song especially, I think would have benefited from that. Uh, lyrics, you know, such as "retinas are bleeding for the enterprise," "surgically wired in the paradise." Yesterday, I dropped in at the MKB. Everyone was messaging like it was going out of style. It it was just the cynic in me. God, I love communicating. I just hate the shit we're missing. Which is very reminiscent of where people were, I think, in two thousand eight, in terms of there was a lot of pushback at the time now, it's, it is, but people were pushing back on the texting, messaging on the fact
2: that people and there's
0: this kind of this fear, and it's been founded yet unfounded in terms of were we gonna be able to have people go out and Friends aren't going to go out and meet each other and do things like that. You know, and then we have COVID, which no one would have fucking survived if we didn't have it. So, <laughs> you know, take it for what it is. Like, it's something that I've seen a lot of writers over the years and philosophers have concerns about, it's always this cycle of, especially science fiction writers, they dig so much into it that they get fearful of their own musings of what. Future science could be, so it is what it is uh alcoholic friends, my alcoholic friends show.
1: yeah this is where it kind of gets back to me, where, you know, I like this very cabaret sounding uh yeah, this was a good one. I like this uh, I think Amanda Palmer went through some shit, Paul
0: I think Amanda Palmer went through some shit, and we'll get into that in some of the other later, but she went through some shit. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying hard not to be ashamed, not to know the name of who is waking up beside me, or the date, the season, or the city, but at least it's the ceilings, at least the ceiling is very, good. and if you're holding it against me, I'll be on my best behavior, taking shots from Mother Nature. <laughs> uh, one fist is in my cupboard, love is never falling over. I think we drank a lot, think we've it hard, um, in our youth. Yeah, uh, she went through some shit, uh talking about you know bringing back the number of the beast and uh, A is, is for the address on the letter to my alcoholic friends. Very cabaret, very great. Mm-hmm. I loved her voice with this. And it's very interesting because if you listen to their first album, there was a youth on her voice. And I wonder if, to be taken a little bit more seriously, she took the Bob Dylan route, which is where Bob Dylan would notoriously sing in a way that made people think he was old. And there's parts in this song where I I feel like it kind of comes through it when she gets to the usefulness. But really, when you listen to these lyrics, you listen to these things, if you didn't know any better, you would think this was a woman in her late 30 singing this song. Would you go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So You're kind of cutting that. out here, Paul. <laughs> Am I cutting out? Oh, no. Yeah. You got to fix that. Um, is this, hang on. Better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, is what this... did you, what did, uh, should I just repeat myself there? Yeah. Okay. So, again, I think she took the route of possibly Bob Dylan, where Bob Dylan would purposefully sing in a way, especially like Lay Lady Lay. Where he didn't want people, he was concerned about him being young and And I wonder if Amanda Palmer was going to do the same thing, where she's singing in a certain way because in her first album, definitely a lot of the songs you can hear the youth, the her being you know in, in her twenties. You hear when younger when there's, and in here, I feel like she kind of went. And held her voice. Or if you didn't know better and didn't know the band, you would think this is someone in their in their late 30s singing this song. There are parts where she hits certain notes with that youthfulness. Still. With that, Joe.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. Maybe. No.
0: I don't know. Fair enough. It's just something for me that I kind of notice. I just think it's part of the artistic part of the style, like the theatrical style of it. That yeah. She's definitely singing in a certain way that isn't falsetto or isn't like fake, but it definitely, you can feel that, you, that there's some manipulation of her voice to make her sound a certain way. I don't know. Does that... I, I, maybe I don't I
1: think, I don't know if there was like studio manipulation. I don't know. She probably yeah. just changed her voice to spoke you know, a different... <laughs>
0: Yes, I don't think it's studio. I think it's her having control over her vocals. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think it's studio. I think it's literally her singing in that specific way to convey this uh, particular protagonist of her songs. Does that make more sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next is Delilah. (laughs) Okay, yeah, this is... (laughs) Okay, Joe, go for it. I'll let you start. I
1: hated this. Uh, This is (laughs) the first out of four ballads on an album. Uh, And out of those four,
0: I only liked one. So, Okay. Not this one. (laughs) We have a huge disagreement on this one. This, to me, is one of the shining stars on this album. This should, to me, have been a single. I don't this think, was
1: so boring, Paul. This was a slow, boring
0: song. I did. I had the complete opposite. The lyrics, the storytelling of what's going on had me hooked the whole way through. And the way that she was changing her voice, especially on the lyrical side of and you thought you could change his mind by changing the perfume, stretching your perfume to find his mother wore. God, Delilah, Why? I've never met a more impossible girl. She goes to that very low, oh God, Delilah, why, and then goes to the high, I've never met a more impossible girl. There was something to that that I just felt was like really, really well done. And then the song kicks in there with the piano with the bass. And I don't know, like I really enjoyed this song, especially telling the story you know, of being four o'clock in the morning at Denny's on Route One, and you know, don't guess what he's done. Is that a Fact Delilah? And it I really enjoyed it. I just think lyrically it's a great song. It's a dark song um, that really fits that, that 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 dark cabaret style. To me, I could definitely see this. So I personally. Adored this song, uh, to the point where it went on my playlist. That's yeah, me.
2: Not,
1: not for me. It, it, you know, it's did not.
0: Again, it, it didn't
1: feel like cabaret to me. It didn't feel it. It just it halted the album down to a down to a just ground it to a halt. And uh, I just wasn't. I don't think I was a, as impressed with it as you
0: are. But that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna have differences. With- yeah, to me, this was like a shining jewel on the album. To me, um, I like I, this. It's just it's been in my head since we started doing this, and I mean I've heard this years ago, but hearing it again, I was just like, oh my god, I forgot how. fun song was. Um, so then we moved, and then it jumps right into another fast song uh, with "Dirty Business." Joe, tell us about your "Dirty Business."
1: Well, on this this particular song, Paul, I think. Uh... I think Amanda Palmer was in too deep, and she's trying to keep her head up above in her head instead of going under. This song was fucking some forty-one. <laughs> it was Sum forty-one. It's some 40 in too deep. goddammit. it! Uh, so this was like I was like really, really like so this song I I liked a lot, and I was like man this this like melody this chorus sounds like really good and like but why is it? Sp- Sounds so familiar, and I was just racking my head for a week trying to figure out like what song. I went on Reddit to see it, and like, like I just had like a vague idea of the song, and it wasn't there. And then I was just like, ah, what is it? What is it? You know? And then I just it clicked because in the summer of two thousand one, you couldn't escape that Sum Forty One song. Oh, so it's permanently burned in my brain. So like when. She- They're using that melody I was just like Son of a bitch (laughs) Yeah You know Still I like the song It's just that Familiarity It's just One of those things Like when I hear a song And it sounds like another song I get really obsessive And I have to find out What that other song is 100%
0: yeah, that's just that's, how
1: I am. So I'll, I'll. That's why I do that on these. Like if I hear, like when we talked about Dan Marison yeah. ripping up and Stevie Wonder, you know.
0: Joe, on the same way, that's why again, like it was so funny last album when you were like, "Hey, I'm hearing this song. I'm hearing this band. I'm hearing this band. I'm hearing this band." And I'm going, "I'm hearing this band. I'm hearing this band. I'm hearing this band." <laughs> you know, we both do the same thing because I have to find it, and yeah. there was a familiarity to it funny you caught it i just assumed it was because i heard the album back in 2018 you know 2008
2: 2000 yeah it's just
0: like i don't think they
1: oh i'm gonna rip that i think that that song was everywhere it might have been through osmosis <laughs> just it just yeah. came out like again you only have so many chords in a song in a song to use and melodies so it's it always happens this shit always happens so I rarely, unless it's very egregious I rarely think they're ripping off another band at this thing it just happens
0: yes, so we talked a little bit about the lyrics here, she's the kind of girl who gets her slinging arrows from the dumpster she's the kind who tells her she's bipolar just to make you trust her she's the kind of girl who <laughs> leaves out condoms on the, best, on the bedroom dresser just to make you jealous of all the men she fucked before you met her uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, i know this
1: person you know yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> like, we know that person yeah yeah we all know that
1: person. we've all met that person and <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah no it's again that's that shock of recognition i'm just like you're not talking about another person amanda you're talking about yourself you did that
0: yourself
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's too specific to be about a friend you all know?
0: you just happen to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then you get to the bridge there, to all the ones who thought they knew me best—a test to prove your prowess. Who was mine in '99? I want last names and current status. To all the <laughs> ones who hated me the most—a toast to a, a toast. You really had me going for a second. I was nervous. Boy, am I the poster girl? Yeah, she's talking about herself. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine again, but I, uh, you know, when when you know, when you're on
1: the 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 bad end of a person like that It <laughs> it's like you know i don't like using the words triggering but it, it was fucking triggering
0: paul joe i i know where you're coming from i was in a very similar situation it was triggering i was like yeah. oh my god I <laughs> just know. like yeah
1: like son of a bitch <laughs> god <laughs> god damn it gilmer god
0: damn it gilmer you even Gilmer discovered this one. <laughs> <laughs> are you the company again? Gilmer? God damn Gilmer. Son of a bitch, Gilmer. Joe, <laughs> uh, so you were telling me earlier at the beginning of the podcast about your first orgasm. Go on, yeah. sir.
1: So again, this is ballad number two on a, four on an album of 13 songs. Um this is not the one I really liked. I did like some of the imagery on here. Uh, some of it's kind of disturbing when she's talking about the sk- – basically rubbing one out and hearing school children run, running around yes. outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just uh, – again, it's like this was another – like I, I like Delia better than this, but this this also felt like a meandering
0: song. It does and again it's interesting to me. Like I, I for some reason I'm really going towards these two ballads as again high points on the album for me. This is the most <laughs> depressing song about masturbation I've ever heard. Uh, you know, if you listen to the song. Oh, I'm I sure GG Allen has one for you. <laughs> 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 okay. Maybe, <laughs> but, I'm sure but, Gore might have one too. <laughs> well, that's disturbing. This is depressing. Um, it could be two things. It can be two things. Like the the vinyls I touch myself. This is not. <laughs> but, no. You no. know, um, she bop. This is not. This is like I really again enjoy the imagery. Like when I listen to this song, I yeah. picture her in like a New York loft, you know, with yeah. like white know, archways and, like, around windows, you know, the big windows, old, like, a 1900s apartment, the wood floors, you know, uh, fucking um, radiators for heat, you know, just, like, and just this kind of suppressing this, this situation. Like, I, there really is a lot of imagery for me. Just... Empty mass yeah. of a ap- yeah. in it.
2: But for me, you can
1: have interesting imagery, but if the the song still is uninteresting musically, which this is for me, uh, it's I don't know because it's you were going from cabaret, and all of a sudden she's trying to do this Tom Waitsy. This, it, very yes. Tom Waits ish. Very if we're Tom gonna, Let's Tom call a spade a spade. It's yep. very. She's, I don't know if she's influenced, but a very vibe. This uh, this song and you know Delia and as we get on, it's like very much like a, you know Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis kind of thing. You know, <laughs> like very <laughs> yep. good imagery. But like, if that's not the whole album, that's not the vibe you're going for. It really creates a jarring stop. There is. That's my complaint with these songs. We're going from cabaret all of a sudden. Oh, I'm
2: getting sad about the clown jerk <laughs> off on
0: <laughs> henna of pin and fist. <laughs> God, you just reminded me of Patton Oswald on that one. Yeah, yeah, The <laughs> <a> little clown, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the prop comics. Yeah, I yeah, got the prop. <laughs> Packing up the suitcase. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but you know, interesting
1: though. After this song, the next slew of songs, minus one, to me are the my favorites on the album. Like I think that that's why I call it
0: back ended heavy because the best songs are after (laughs) track seven. Yeah, and I think you know, there's two things we should really address right now before we go further. Is yes, I think there's a sequencing issue on it. Absolutely, this album was not sequenced very well. Whoever did the sequencing on it did it no favors. Um, I do like First Orgasm. I think maybe had it been on their first album or on No Virginia, maybe have a different impact. I personally, the lyrics on it, I really love it. Like the First Orgasm in the morning is like a fire drill. It's nice to have a little warning, but it's not enjoyable. I am too busy to have friends. I'll ever complicate my plans, so I'll never look. Again I'm taking matters into my own hand. I think I could last a week without someone to hold. Like I really enjoy that kind of imagery. I, of it, really like. Not that I enjoy depressing, but I think it's like this is a song I. Could, I think I grabbed onto back in 2006 when I was going through shit myself and going through a horrible breakup and things like that. So maybe that's why I really enjoy this song a little the other thing that i think listeners and i want to address it now because well it's in my head is you notice how we're bringing up just like we did the last album you know benfold Forty One, tom waits where and you're going well you guys are giving this a pass versus porridge radio the reason why is because with porridge radio those people were doing it better and i didn't want to hear it but here you can hear it, but it's still done well enough that it stands on its own. It doesn't make me want to go and listen to the obvious influences.
1: You know what I mean? It's not obvious influences. It's Porridge Radio is like, you hear the obvious influences. Here, it's just like, the influence is like, it's there, but
0: I don't think it's intentional. Right, right. And not only is it not intentional, but again, the songs are strong that they stand on their own. Where with Porridge Radio, there's I forget which song it was over there. Where there was the obvious modest mouse guitar. The yeah. very obvious modest mouse guitar in the beginning and it's gone. Press the song, it's no longer there. It's just in the beginning, we're gonna do this model, like and all it maybe do is go, God, I really wish I was listening to modest mouse right now. I still like Tom Waits, but it didn't make me want to go, man, I want to listen to Tom Waits now. No, I, I want to finish and listen to this song. So I think those are the two differences there that we really need to address as we're creating it. Hey, how come you're giving this one a pass and that one a pass? Same thing. Listen, son of a bitch, it's subjective in nature. <laughs> so you know,
1: yeah, George Radio was the worst that one of the worst albums I ever heard that Paul, for some reason, recommended despite he shat on it for about an hour and a half.
0: Again, I stand by the fact that there were interesting yeah, tracks. No, on no, it's, <laughs> it's fine, I man. Right? It's your I mean, opinion. Yep, it's your it's recommendation. My it's my opinion, Joe. So yeah, I really enjoyed the song. I love the depressing. I love that. I think again, it fits that dark. Like I could see this being, and I think it is um, belongs in terms of like bringing it down. But again, four ballads, You're right on the path of four ballads on this yeah. album.
1: Yeah, four yes. ballads, and they don't really fit. Like at least the weird thing is minus the one ballad I like the three ballads on here feel like they should have been on a completely different album.
0: I could get behind that. I can absolutely get behind that. Like I said,
1: and that's why it's, it's, you know, for me, it's just like, it, it, it didn't really work for me. Like maybe if I heard it in a different context of like, here's a bunch of sad piano ballads by Amanda Palmer, that'd be a different thing. And then I could judge it on that basis instead of here's dark cabaret, but oh here's
0: Tom Waits singing. (laughs) Yes. And again, I also think a sequencing thing. I, I think there's two things that are really hurting the ballads on those I do think they are good ballads. I think Delilah is a great ballad. I think Sorgav is a great ballad. The things that are hurting it is, first of all, again, sonically, it's not having the highs and lows like you would, say, like a radio head album, right? Where it's sonically gorgeous. And you have these things where it's taking you very smoothly on these peaks and valleys throughout the album. There's peaks and valleys here. The problem is the valleys are really low, but the peaks sonically aren't reaching the heights that I think yeah. match the lows of the ballad, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and, and the sonically, uh, you know, I feel like again, if they put more instrumentation more into the the theme of cabaret, mm-hmm. it would have aw- worked I think been a lot more solid album
2: like, I you know
1: again more instrumentation more jazzy old-timey whatever you know uh, but the, when it's you know at times it's like man this is, sounds like a, a demo for a, a
0: better song you know what i mean like i want to hear the produced version of this sure and i can and i can get i can absolutely get i can see exactly where you're coming you know, I think it's a very bad, maybe like, I mean, this valid.
1: you know, maybe like a, a darker version of benefit of Mr. Kite from the Beatles kind of thing. You know, like you have yeah. all this kind of weird shit like I, I think that would have made this album really fucking rad. It's still I like it. You know, it's just uh, I feel like it could have been more.
0: Sure. And I will completely concede and say, yes, you're completely valid. And I would agree with you uh, yeah. on that. So next we get Mrs. O. Now there was a band that this reminded me of as well, but Bill, let's hear your thoughts on Mrs. O. Yeah,
1: I like this song. This is like when the album actually starts working for people.
0: I like this. Like, su- I like this song.
1: You know, like, you know, there's no, what was it, like, there's no Hitler, there's no Holocaust, you know, there's no Santa, yes, Virginia. <laughs> like, I love that, uh, that play with words a lot. So, like, to me, this is probably my favorite song on the album.
0: It's a great song and it weirdly
1: weirdly between this and sex changes <laughs>
0: sex changes oh, is a fantastic fucking song great that's great going opener. on a mix ball yeah it's on a mix yeah that that is on a mix um it it, it that's such a great opener to me i love it lyrically and it's so playful it reminds me as you were talking about the word of again it's not a ripoff it's not an homage it's this is just has the playfulness that I hear with They Might Be Giant lyrically, and I absolutely yeah. am here. For it. I love it. Yeah, it's very yeah. playful, darker themes, kind of you know,
1: still, that's still. I think it's a good balance. That's why I like this song, it's my favorite on the album yeah. because I, it just has like so many cool things going on for it. Again, like for me, Mrs. This, o this is where the album really kickstarts for me. Like, if this. These following songs followed sex changes, you know, top-heavy, yes, but it, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more than I did. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, again, sequencing is a big problem with this album. I'm, I'm going to completely agree with you on that. And, again, I, I go back, you know, like the lyrics, Oh, Mrs. O, will you tell us where the naughty children go? Will you show how the sky turned white and everybody froze? Heaven knows how they got to the fireplace. But everyone's saving grace, saying grace, and trying to keep a happy face. Like I could totally—that should be lyrics straight out of a They Might Be Giant song, like hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, and but it's done well here. And yeah, the there's no Hitler, there's no Holocaust, no winter, no Santa Claus, and yes, Virginia, all because the truth can't save you now. The sky is falling. Yeah, I it's love the end it. of the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's the end of the world. It's so—it's a very
1: nihilistic song with like kind of hoping it's i like that is again it's a playful song yeah playful dark song and i think this is where i think them as a band shines you know like we can go back to like you know her ballads but they doesn't really make it as a group shine other but this does like you can has more of a sound fuller
0: sound to it for me yes i will say delilah and first orgasm Definitely, those feel like Amanda Palmer solo songs. They don't feel like very, Very, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Uh, Next, we got Shores of California, Joe. I really like this. Yeah, this should have been the single. Yeah, I completely agree. This is a single.
1: I liked it. Even though, again, like I'm hearing, uh, I got (laughs) the weirdest, uh, but it does have uh, hints of uh, Do It Again by Steely Dan.
0: Oh sure, shit yeah,
1: yeah. It does. <laughs> like, like, I'm unapologetically. I love that first Stealing Dan album, so like Good I album. heard like, that, and it's yeah, it's. I really like this song a lot. Yeah, because it, it's really
0: also so. very different.
1: But this is one of those times on this album where where it strays, it works for me. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's a very
1: different song from like the the cabaret stuff, and then like the sad piano ballad stuff like this is like one of those weird <laughs> musically it's different too because it has you know
0: oh yeah it's very musical.
1: more uh more modern vibe i would say as opposed to kind of like the throwback things they were doing before
0: i completely agree yeah this this is like a breath of fresh air on the album it yeah. this is this was definitely needed and i think this should have probably been like again maybe song number three um in, in my opinion I, I mean, and again, the, you know, the, the lyrics on it are, are so good. That's the way it is in Minnesota. That's the way it is in Oklahoma. That's the way it's been since Pernodoa first climbed on the, the shores of California. And she's been trying with limited success to get him uh, out and dance. Because, like any girl all she really wants is that fickle little bitch romance. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and the, why are these... Uh, conflicting specifications, maybe to prevent overpopulation. All I know is that all around the nation, the girls are masturbating. Like, wh- wow. You know, and she's bringing up the Iliad and, uh, you know, it's so interesting. Um, I love it. Yeah, it's very intelligent in my mind. And I, and so, yeah, I really enjoy the, the story she's telling. Um, necessary Evil. I enjoyed this one as well. This is where I you know
1: so this is where I get frustrated with this album because I love this song. It if you listen to the, like how it's produced, she has like uh, an effect on her vocals. Yep. Make like it sound like she's out of a megaphone type of thing, right? Yes, yes it does. That should have been used on other songs. <laughs> This was agree. like this song shows like what the other songs could have been with a little more production to it, and that's why it gets frustrating for me. I'm like, I love this song, this song is awesome,
0: and like they should have done more of this with like the sounds on the other songs. I would agree with that, yeah, uh, again, there is i i I have to assume that there was something going on between the band the label and the uh, again, a ba- you know. I know Roadrunner wasn't it is a sink and swim thing, but I just I feel like that maybe they didn't give them a whole lot to work with in the in the thing. Rushing going on in the studio. Was there something going on with the band? From was the timeline between when they needed to get this done? Because the album came out two years later. So were these songs all kind of written on the fly and they weren't really allowed time to breathe when Roadrunner like get your fucking second album out? Something there was something that happened in the background that caused this way that it is. I really believe that. And this song, as you said, I'm so glad we're on the same page on this one. It really points out what could have been on the album. Again, you know, lyrically it's all there. Lyrically it's well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, musically is where I just something. Went on. Was there something going on between the and Brian? I don't know. But you get lyrics like, you know, I've connected speakers to my suitors at the discotheques, and the difference, are they men or are they memorex? If you find yourself without me, if you find yourself without me, come on, find yourself without me, come on, <laughs> you know, um, there is, it's,
2: it's such an interesting song. Next one is Mandy goes to med school, Joe. Again, this is uh, I like
1: this because it goes back to the cabaret. Feels like the the spiritual cousin to uh, sex changes. It really does. Yeah, like like these two songs feel like they're from a musical that was never produced that should have been.
0: Yeah, I want to see that musical. Right, I want. I feel like there was a concept here that kind of got fucked up. I, I want to see. I, I want the musical. Mandy goes to med school and does sex changes. Like, give me that musical. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: if you pay, you know, forty nine ninety nine a month to her Amanda Palmer's pa- Patreon, you'll get. Like, you probably hear demos for like all these other songs from that
0: abandoned. Yeah, we'll get to the aftermath about some of that shit afterwards. Talk. Uh, <laughs> I have. I have thoughts. I have thoughts. I yeah, have. I have thoughts on Patreon alone. Well,
1: We'll get to that. But
0: yeah, I like this song a lot. I did. Yeah. Uh, yes, I can do everything you need out of my new SP. All my work is guaranteed to the last, the length of recovery. Put away those pliers, Hunter. Trust me, because I know options. How about a nine month long vacation and two foot coffin? Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, we, we're, we're treading into some territory here. I want this musical. Uh, Yeah, um, I do too I really like that one Next we get Me and the Minibar Joe, tell me about me No,
1: this is ballad number three out of four Paul Yes (laughs) And and since there's only one other song after that Which is another ballad (laughs) um, This also didn't work for me, Paul
0: This, uh, thank God Because I thought it was going to be this one When you said you liked the ballad I do not No, I like sing a lot I think that works But me and the mini bar. Uh, this should not be on the,
1: the So we're getting to the, We're. I think she's hovering too close to the Tom Waits on this now mm. a bit. Yeah. You know, the guy very much uh, Bukowski-esque lyrics, at least in like his 70s and into 80s stuff. So yeah, I this slowed it down for me. And of the last, you know, after from
0: track eight to 13, this is the one that I really don't care for. I do not like the song. I don't. Um, I think lyrically it works. I, I shouldn't say I don't like the song. I don't like it where it's at sequencing. I don't like it. wouldn't <laughs> a ballad um, before another ballad. Yeah, ball. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the sequencing is a, maybe just make it a
1: twelve track album at this
0: point. You, you know, again, they did the No Virginia compilation, and I feel like this one should have maybe gone on that No that No yeah. Virginia compilation. I don't. I mean. Again, lyrically, there are some interesting things there. But you, again, you got the, you know, it's very Tom Waits. Ask it. I'm going to do it at Tom Waits here. Candles from the Walmart that <laughs> every city's got the hell
2: that I bought last night.
0: I was so excited to do such normal things with you when you left last night with your toothbrush dry. Yeah, it's very top Yeah, very top <laughs> Very tough. Um But I again I enjoy it, but I either it's in the wrong really bad spot on the album. Yeah, it's
1: like uh, yeah. Probably the worst spot they could have thrown put, put this on
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's I think that's really my issue with it. I think again had it been elsewhere on the album or on a album, I would enjoy it. I really do think I would enjoy it. It is a good song but where it's at against everything. Like, again, as you said earlier, you put this on a mix of piano, you know, ballads and songs, and I hear it, I'm going to go, oh, man, I really like that song. But right after, you know, and goes to med school to me in the mini bar, who made that decision needs to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Joey gets Sing, which was a single, which was the single yep, on the
1: album. Which is... Uh... The fourth ballad on an album of 13 songs, and the one I did like. This, this was a good single. Uh, probably just, yeah. this is a band that's not going to have a hit single. That's just
0: but what they it did, is. They had one on their last album, but yes.
1: Go on. Oh, it was on Top 40 Radio? Uh,
0: it, Well, like I said, it was on Cities 97,
2: yeah. Weird.
0: Yeah, it was coin operated boy if you, if you look up after this thing i know that song it was played yeah coin operated boy yeah no this was a good song was sing yeah this was a great i
1: liked song. it a lot although it's like you know the sing for the whatever sing for the it just uh, <laughs> another non but this one i don't think was an intentional because it the this movie came out afterwards but i just kept thinking of uh and walk hard, the Dewey Cox story when he's singing for the midgets.
0: <laughs> See, <and> I, I, <laughs> I stand for the little man. <laughs> I and I got visions. Honestly, I was like, oh, this is very uh, uh, vocal uh, lyrically, uh, Aerosmith esque. Let's sing yeah. for the bartender, sing for the janitor, you know? yeah, <laughs> sing for the cameras, <laughs> sing for the animals, yeah, yeah. Um, but they sing
1: for the little person who can't reach the elevator buttons. Paul. <laughs>
0: God bless them and, and the, the hard life they walk, sir.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go away, Dewey. You don't want no part of this? You want no part of this,
0: Dewey? Am I going to get addicted? It's not habit forming. <laughs> the cheapest drug ever. <laughs> you can't get addicted, Dewey. <laughs> so, see. So
1: much. Oh, it must be expensive. It's the cheapest
0: drug ever. <laughs> Uh, I do enjoy the song. Now, I do think yeah. people. I I think what really doomed the album, and I and I compare it to um, what happened with Filter when "Take My Picture" came out, and people are like, "What the fuck is this?" And that was the single, and the rest of the album sounds nothing like it at all. Had this track that has this Radiohead-esque guitar. Um, acoustic guitar to it. That's not on any of the other tracks. No, nope, uh, no. You know, it's very different than again on 13 tracks. There's four ballads. Sure, I'll give you that. But there's nine cabaret songs. This did not. But they're be. a dark cabaret band. They should be cabaret songs. <laughs> exactly. And yet you <laughs> picked this one to be the single. Which I think is the most misleading thing yeah, it's the mis- studio could have done. <laughs>
1: Very misleading.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact that the that Roadrunner said this is gonna be the single on this album, I could honestly see right away where Amanda and Brian would be like, The fuck are you doing? <laughs> like no but I can also see from their point of view,
1: the labels, this is the most besides Shores of California, this is the most
0: commercially sounding song on the album. And it is the most commercially sound, sounding song on the album. Uh, and it, yeah, I I, 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 I again, I like it. I enjoy it. I just don't think it should have been the single, but I, you know, I can see, but I, I personally, if I was the super album, I'd be like, yeah, we could put it out there. But again, I could, it didn't, I think did the album any favors because people bought the album. Checked out the album, thinking things are gonna sound like this, and they got fucking sex changes, and Danny goes to med school. And like, what the fuck am I listening to now? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it did them no service. Like, yeah. yeah, which again brings your point of should have been on this album, should not have been maybe on a different album. But regardless, yeah, this probably, you know I like the
1: song a lot of, of all the ballads, but yeah, this probably should, could have been on the
0: other uh, No Virgin here or whatever. Yeah. So, and again, I mean, it's very, I mean, the lyrics are are, are still good, but nothing, you know, outrageous. However, you know, for the president of Paris, but you got things like there's this thing that's keeping everyone lungs, uh, lungs and lips locked. It's called Fear, and it's seeing a great renaissance. After the show, you cannot sing wherever you want, but for now, let's all pretend we're bombed, so sing. Like, wow, even in this song where there's some of the, you know, uh you know, sing, it's obvious thing for the astronauts, you know, that type of thing There's this thing. But <laughs> the point is, is that they're still even in a song like this, these really deep lyrics that they're getting into that permeate the whole album and I think are part of it, elevates the album. Um that's my thought.
2: Joe. Yeah, no, it's it's again, it's my
1: of the four ballads <laughs> <It's> the one <laughs> I like the one I like. You know? So yeah, it's Cheesy at times, sure, but at least you
0: know, it. it I liked it so, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so there it is. So, as I already talked about, you know, after this came out, the album did not sell well, it sold about 19,000 copies. Uh, right away, the labels, Roadrunner saw what was the writing on the wall with the album that we're not even going to bother supporting it, just go out there and make us our third album, which again led to a massive rift between uh, Amanda, Brian and the studio. Uh, And they took what was called a hiatus, which they didn't get back together for many, many years. Uh, Amanda put out an album called who killed Amanda, Amanda Palmer, as she was a twin peaks fan, which is what it is. Uh, So yeah, the, the hiatus happened in 2008 when they just dropped the Basically it was a companion album. Uh, featuring music and lyrics from um yes, Virginia, no Virginia, and like they said "Peace out, fuck you wrote um, <clears throat> didn't didn't do well, so let's get to the controversy of that is Amanda Palmer. we can talk about the, kind of the Kickstarter thing that Joe, go ahead and you start with your thoughts, then I'm gonna get to the fucking get into the, the nitty gritty of what the Kickstarter content yeah,
1: is. No, I mean, you can go ahead. Like, anything I already said, it's just like, uh, you know, I I got sick of her pretty quick <laughs> on social media. Uh, everything's selling her Patreon, uh, which is just like, I mean, I don't think she's a millionaire, but, you know, she is married to Neil Gaiman, so not like she's poor. Yep. Uh, the fact that, she wanted to pay her touring band, you know, with hugs and kisses. It was very uh, horrible. Uh, yeah, she just rubs me the wrong way, Paul. There's something just not uh, up to snuff with the
0: old Amanda Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's something there. There's definitely some issues there, right? Uh, we had a rough life. We, I'm not going to sit here in armchair, um, uh, psychoanalyze. He's a fucking adult. We've all been there. We all have our baggage. It's just, you know, when you're famous and you're in that situation, you know, this is downside to, um, you know, the, the age of what social media is,
2: right? The, the Kickstarter. You know,
0: I so let's talk a little bit about this because you and I don't do a Patreon for for, for this podcast or any of the stuff that we've. Yeah, no. I think you and I have very similar thoughts on Patreon in terms <laughs> of. Go ahead on your thoughts on Patreon.
1: Well, Patreon, like, okay, so if you think it's worth what you're paying, and that's fine. I have no beef with that or whatever. I just think artists like Amanda Palmer fleecing their fans. Honestly, I think Patreon is a is a is such a such a fucking scam, Paul, in my opinion. Uh I don't do the, I won't put that on the Joe down website. I won't whatever just because we do this for fun. Uh
2: it's just <sighs> Patreon
1: and especially that Kickstarter thing. I think that was bad because it was just, you're asking people to pay to record your album. Yeah. And and then like, and then, then you have, the- like, sometimes you do that and then you still have to pay to buy the album, which is horseshit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's like that all the time, but I've seen it, uh, you know, it's just, it's such, it's, you shouldn't be putting the, the financing of your art, art like that onto your fan base. I just, I do not like that. So if you can't afford a band, touring band, or if you can't, if you can't afford to pay a touring band, then maybe you shouldn't be touring. Yeah, I will. Obviously I will, you're not that, you're not as successful as you think you are if you can't pay the people to make the music that you play with. You know what I mean? Like.
0: Yes. So there's been a lot of takes on this one. I'm going to kind of just paraphrase um, some of this. And this was um, taken from Jess Condit uh, from, Endga- from Engadget. And their article titled, The Crowdfunded Cult of Amanda. They say you, you, you don't set Kickstarter and Patreon records without genuine connection and connection. Um And it basically says Amanda Palmer does not exist in her current form back in 2019 without Patreon. Um, you know, it. There was this whole thing where she gets, you know, he has fifteen thousand individuals on her Patreon, ranging from one dollar to a hundred on her Patreon. Now, again, Amanda Palmer, very successful, a lot of money, and she's yeah, married to to Neil, made a, a hugely successful comic series, and is now a Netflix series. Um, and well-beloved, uh, you know, tie-ins with the comic industry, DC. Um, you know, it really,
2: a lot of people... They, I'm with
0: you on this one, right? Where I think Patreon and Kickstarters and like that are good for certain things, right? Like... If you and I were doing, say, five podcasts, five different podcasts, and, you know, we were spending five days a week recording shit, I would legitimately say to you, Joe, we should really look at maybe doing a Patreon or spending every day. This is becoming a real job for us, but we need to make some, you know, ad revenue. We need to make some, some things and we can throw some merch out there and kind of, you know, build a fan base and things. But that's not the case. We do this maybe once a week. So a lot of times, you know, we breaks here and there. Nothing that's breaking back, and we do love what we do, right? uh, I love talking about the albums. I love talking with you. But to have a Man of Palmer that not only get all these things per month, but then to say, hey, I'm going to create this thing where I'm going to bring other people in, we're going to record, them. and then when we go on tour, Rather than me paying a touring band, I'm going to let fans submit themselves and I'm going to critique them and basically they're going to interview for me. They're going to play one or two nights at this location and I'm going to pay them in beer, hugs, and thank yous. Fuck you. You You're a multi-millionaire. You're taking advantage of your fan base at that point. And I have a huge problem. I really do.
1: Yeah, because you know she's taking the bigger payday from
0: these shows so she doesn't have to pay people. Yeah. and, and That's the, you know, just know, gross to me. That, that Kickstarter that she wanted was $100,000. She knew damn well she was going to get more than that, depending on where she was at. And she got $1.2 million <laughs> million Fuck on her! On Kickstarter. And again, she didn't offer money to the performers. Instead, she filled them in beer and gave them hugs. And I get it. Like, there's this whole thing where people were like, but this is communist, you know, This are going to go and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I am I don't think capitalism is where we're at. Unfettered capitalism is great. But also, if you're using that capitalism to f- take money from your fans and then you're going to turn around, have them do a job that you paid, have them pay yeah. you so you could go do, and then you're going to pay them in beer and hugs. You're not yep. playing the same rules. That's no, she's uh, she's even role. further
1: into the darker side of capitalism, honestly.
0: <laughs> right. That's that is that is the whole I take, I take, you give, you know, cult as they talk about, you know, the crowdfunded cult. And it's a I, I don't agree with that. And now again, if she were to say, hey, look, I'm hopping in a van, I'm gonna do a bunch of small clubs, um, I'm ticket, I'm gonna do a bunch of free shows to drum up support. I'm gonna sell while I'm there, I'm gonna sell albums, I'm gonna sell merchandise, and you know, I need people to come out and I'm funding myself to drive to these parks and these places and set up these really small club tours, and I need your support. I want to connect with my family. That's a different story. I'd be all for that. But the fact that, again, she raised $1.2 million to do this and then turns around and goes, thanks for the money, I'm going to pay you in beer for fucking doing a job after you <laughs> probably paid, paid me on that Kickstarter. So really you <laughs> and you know she
1: probably to- sweat. You know, she's probably stingy with that beer, too. It's probably like one beer.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah she's not buying you a fucking keg. It's like, <laughs> hey, thanks. Here, here, you know, $9 beer night, have one. It's like, got to save that two, $1.2 million. Um, you know, and, and she does things like, you know, I don't think of my 15,000 patrons as strangers, and I don't think of my million of Twitter followers as strangers. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They're absolutely strangers. It's a one-sided relationship. I have 2,700 friends on Facebook. Okay? Do I look at those 2,700 people as my friends? No. Some I've never spoken with. Some I've never even seen anything they post. So how can I sit there and be disingenuous to our audience and to the people and be like, hey, you know what? Sorry. I mean, and I don't mean this to like bash fans. We got to, I'm, I, people need to start being real about social media and what it is. Look, if you like this podcast and you love it, by all means, please. And thank you. We love doing it. But Joe and I aren't going to ask you for money for doing it. There's been things no. where you know, people brought up, you know, like the t-shirt that, you know, was made for you. and uh, I've had friends and family go, man, you guys should really sell that on, on a website. And I go, Know. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. Now, now I'm in the business of selling, and it kind of it takes away from things, you know. I, I, it, plus, it's a
1: big pay in the ass too. First, we have to come to the capital to make the shirts, and then we have to real, you know, it's it's such a you no. Know, like, I mean, people wanted a shirt. We could probably look into it and be like, all right, whatever. But like, fucking mass produce that shit? Fuck no. That's just a. That's a whole that's a full time job when you start making merch.
0: Yeah, it's a full time job when you start making merch. And then you get caught in the cycle. Do we do we crowdfund to get money to get the merch? So now we're taking money from and I again I have a huge problem with this.
2: Because and I would now, never
0: do I
1: would never do that. If we couldn't afford to make shirts to sell, which we can't. Just be honest. Let's be honest. We, let's be honest. We, we don't have the money to do that. No. I would never ask our listeners to pay. So we can create merch to sell them. That's you know what I mean? Like, so we're not only we're taking that money, we're then we're going to turn twice. around like,
0: <laughs> you're paying for it twice. Yeah, you're paying for it twice. And that's the part that I can't agree with, Joe. You and I are on the same page on that 100% because that's like, again, versus what it'd be as, okay, let's crowdfund, send us some money, and we'll give you merch for the crowdfunding. But we're not going to sell the shirts. That's a different story. That's a different story. But again, if we're going to go, okay, you're going to come first. We can start making shirts and mugs and things like that. Sure, pay us $10 and then turn around and pay us $15 for the $10 you already paid (laughs) us to buy the $15 mug. (laughs) I mean, come on. I have supported two Kickstarters in my life. The very first one I did as a joke because it got me an IMDB page. I have an IMDP page as an executive producer of a shitty movie um, that I am very excited to get my hands on. Uh, I still don't have the movie, and I paid... Well, that's
1: been like three or four years now,
0: Paul. It's been three or four years, and the movie's still not... I think you got (laughs) scammed. Gee, do you think? But again, I knew going in that this was a joke, that I was willing to spend that money and go, I'm going to lose it, right? And that movie was never going to be great. That movie was never going to be amazing. I may never see that movie. But for me, I did it as a laugh because at the time I was doing, you know, it was a decision I made. The other one I supported was Mystery Science Theater, the first run, because I really yeah. wanted to see that come back. And then they've done like two or three starters since. And I'm. Oh, nope. you got my money the first time. It's your fault. If it's not working out, you can go get yeah. a studio backing.
1: And here's theater. the thing. That first Kickstarter from ST three K, it ended up getting being distributed by Netflix. So fans paid for something that Netflix made money off of and they had no investment in.
0: Exactly. Which is goes against the spirit of what Kickstarter is supposed to do, right? That's the whole thing. It's supposed to be this independent thing. But as we've seen with a lot of Kickstarters, is there's other things going in the background where a lot of these things become mainstream, which is good, but then if that's the point anyways, and you're going to get this other investment. Why did you need the Kickstarter do you it? Know, why didn't you just do a partition? Why did you need to have people send you money to do it, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And why
0: didn't you give the fans back their money once Netflix ordered, made paid you for so more than what? Yeah, yeah so they could put it on their site. Right. So, you know, and then, again, that's been my biggest issue with Kickstarter is I look at it, it's no different to me than, like, really shady microtransactions in mobile. I think there's a lot of comparisons that come there, and so that's something that I personally my values don't work with. So yeah, that's why we don't do it. You know, there's a lot of things that I've done.
2: I was like, hey, I'm never going to ask you for
0: a dime for what I'm. You know, keep that in mind. Yeah. So I I like the fact that you know it does kind of keep it. I think more open and engaging on what you can do. I think once we. You- merchandise and Kickstarter, you know, you start to get this Anna Palmer situation going, it starts to become a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You well, she got me, called out for it, you know? Rightfully so. Uh, rightfully so. But all that said, Joe, you know, you and I have been really good, I think, over the years, you know, separate the artists from the art and that type of thing. Looking at the Dresden Dolls, 2006, um, yes virginia album would you recommend it
1: well you know i liked it all except for the the three songs so i'm gonna pull what you did last week and i'm gonna say no
0: interesting Very because
1: you know i'm an enigma now since you broke all the rules shit oh on an album i'm gonna praise an album say how much i like it and then be like you know what no i'm not recommending this nothing makes sense anymore Paul. This is oh what you
0: did. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I love when you gaslight the fuck out of me on these things. Um, so I'll take that as a you are, you do like the album. Um, I do, as but well. I can't recommend it.
1: I can't recommend it. <laughs> I,
0: you know, I and I'm going to give you kind of a thing there. I can say where I could see, again, one of the things that there are some flaws on it, some warts. Sonically, it is it dark cabaret enough, right? That being said, yeah. I do really like uh, some of the songs on even the intro, but, you know I think even calling it a dark, dark cabaret, I don't know if it really fits that genre, very in the piano album, I think at best um, would be a better terminology for that has cabaret-like elements. Um, I ab- absolutely am going to recommend it. Uh, I do enjoy the Dresden. Three of the, albums. Um, and, uh, you know, I kept bringing the last album as, like, the counter <laughs> to Porridge Radio, and it just so happened you had one of three choices, and this is what you landed on. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say absolutely check it out. Um, you know, you and I disagreed on some of the tracks, like "The the Last Orgasm." I really enjoyed those. Um, "Sing" for sure is one that they check in new. Uh, Manny and the uh, you know sex Mach- uh, sex changes and uh, Manny in the med school. There's some really interesting tracks out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. I just can't recommend it. Oh,
0: okay, fair enough, Jeff. I, I'll t- <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
1: It's 90% really awesome, Paul, but I'm not going to recommend it.
0: Damn it, Joe. God. <laughs> Again, I had my reasons. I really do. I
1: have it. my reasons, too, Paul. Those those three songs just
0: oh took me oh out God. of it. Oh, my God. All right, Joe, what are we doing next week, you son of a bitch?
1: <laughs> oh, Paul. As you know, it's October. Yes, sir, it is October. So that my means it's it's Halloween month. Yay. And I'm going to pick... It's going to be basically two albums because they're relatively short. Okay. From the same band. Oh, okay. Two different lineups. <laughs> um,
0: Ooh, I think I know where we're going with this. We're, okay.
1: going, with, we're going with the Misfits, Paul. Yes.
0: yes, we are. We're
1: going to be doing Static Age, fronted by our, our favorite Dan Marison. Dan Marison, yes, sir. And then we're going to try out Famous Monsters fronted by Michael Graves after Dan Marison years after Dan Marison left the misfits. So yeah, we're going to be doing a twofer with the misfits.
0: And I, I cause it's Halloween. T- uh, side note. I believe when they were the lineup of famous monsters, Uh, They were also prominent on one WCW, sir. Oh, you got that straight, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, they were. Yeah. Uh,
1: That was uh, Jerry Only and his brother, uh, uh, Doyle von Frankenstein.
0: Yes, yes, Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein.
1: Yep, yep. So, as Jerry only and Doyle were in w c w briefly i don't think they were there too too for too long. I think,
0: I think they were there for a year. I think it was a year long track uh pretty sure uh that that's what that was. I remember them debuting on um on uh on that yep yeah they, they the misfits in action is what they were Yep. In 2000, (laughs) and they had the shortest reign of the WCW World Tag Team title. Yep. Yes.
1: (laughs) WCW. WCW, Paul. Hey, hey, man. Wasn't that the the wrestling program where where that Arquette fella had the World Championship?
0: Yes. Yes, it was. David Uh, Arquette. David Arquette.
1: Yes. And for the promotion for. You're
0: ready to rumble? <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. Ready to rumble. Some wrestling and, fans have never forgiven him for that, Paul. He never should have had the world title belt, but that's me. Let's also not forget that ICP also wrestled in WCW as well. So ICP time. also had its own wrestling. Still does. They still yeah. Do yep.
1: Juggalo wrestling, or whatever.
0: Juggalo Wrestle- Uh No, it's uh, what is it? World shit, I forget what it's called. The JCW, Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Something like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's entertaining. Yes. Yes, but no, it was 1999. Misfits, I'm sorry, Misfits in Action was a different thing. The Misfits were in 1999. It was about a year. um, And uh, they hung around with Vampiro. (laughs) 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 Who also formed the stable of ICP as well. So Really, yeah. yeah. Wrestling in
2: the '90s was weird. <laughs> you can't do. Yeah, um. But yeah, nope.
0: That was yeah. That was that lineup. Oh, dude, this is great. Halloween month is my picks for. 100. I'm excited for this. So uh, this will be a really interesting look at because Static Age is a great album. I'm not really familiar with Famous Monsters. I have a feeling. We'll, we'll find we'll find out paul
1: all right, we'll, find out.
0: we'll find we're out we're gonna fuck around we're gonna find out we're gonna fuck around and find out fantastic oh good old dan marison all right dan guys. marison, <laughs> dan marison <laughs> who's <laughs> hanging out with gilmer um so dan we'll...
1: sing dance, dan sing.
0: sing
2: dan sing <laughs> Um, <laughs> Joe, what do you guys
0: got going on at the Joe
1: Down? <laughs> we have Halloween month at the Joe Down. Uh, our first movie, I don't know when we're going to get to it, but it's going to be Maniac Cop.
0: Fuck yeah. Love yeah. that series.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the first uh, two I like. The third one is a little little shaky. But Zadar said, no. and uh, Campbell. Bruce Campbell, yep. Yeah. Maniac yeah. Cop 3 is one of those Alan Smythe
2: movies. <laughs> so
0: yes yes it is um but yeah it was uh what's his name also robert zadar i believe was his yep. name that's uh
1: bill lust lustig yes. or whatever was the director yeah it's they're those are wild movies.
0: they are wild movies yeah maniac
1: it was uh, you know kind of like the original spun off into maniac but maniac's a really good horror movie
0: maniac's a really good horror. i love maniac yeah
1: that is messed movie. up
0: i think that's on Shudder or
1: Yep, it's on Shutter.
0: On Shutter. Okay, so you guys are doing Maniac Cop. You guys want to give us a sneak peek of what else you're gonna do? Ready nope, to leave it there. Nope. Okay, I like leave that. it there. That. All right. Um. Well, all right, Joe. Uh, we got the album. We got. Our thing. Do you want, We got any other grievances? we need the air, sir? No, I think we're good. <laughs> all right, Joe. As always, do you want to take us out? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Freming thank you for listening